The US dollar is surging again, and that's bad news for pretty much everyone around the world. Whenever the dollar goes up in exchange value, that's bad for the global economy. It means that, well, what does it mean? Because there are so many competing explanations out there for why the dollar goes up and what it actually represents, it's worth taking the time to really go through why the dollar is rampaging like a wrecking ball through the global financial system right now as we speak. Now, most people, what they used to say was that it was the U.S. as the cleanest, dirty shirt. The U.S. economy was the best one of the bunch, which didn't really mean much. But essentially, the U.S. economy was doing much better than everyone else around the world. Then we found out pretty quickly, middle 2010s and into the 2020s, that wasn't the case either. Because you can clearly see when the dollar goes up in exchange value, that's usually nothing good happening anywhere, including the U.S. Dollar spiked, for example, in the latter half of 2008, and it has done so again recent times in 2020 during the crisis. We see the dollar go up, and it corresponds instead to financial volatility, dollar tightening, dollar shortages. So the dollar going up, that's not clean as dirty shirt. That's something else. But is that dollar shortage related to the Federal Reserve? Because that's the other common explanation. It's the more common explanation, in fact. When you listen to people in the financial media talk, what they say is the Fed is raising rates or raising rates relative to everyone else around the world. Therefore, the Fed is causing all this dollar pain. After all, look at 2022. The Fed aggressively hiked rates. The dollar aggressively shot higher. And the world was aggressively worse off for it. Is interest rate differentials really the issue here? That's what we're going to talk about today. Plus, we've got not only what's really driving the dollar, it's not interest rate differentials, spoiler alert, but not only do we have the dollar rampaging, we've got some data from Europe, and we're going to talk about the euro, that, that points and highlights to why, that, why all of this is taking place. Banking data, concerning banking data from the Europeans, that, that, that just goes along with the rampaging U.S. dollar. But, you know, people ask, why is, why is interest rates going up to begin with? And that's something I talked about in yesterday's deep dive analysis at the Eurodollar University website. What is driving the sell-off in the long end of the yield curve? That's something that's obviously on everyone's mind, and it seems like it corresponds with the U.S. dollar's exchange value as well, but it doesn't quite. As I talked about it in the deep dive analysis, it wasn't just—it's not just long-term yields you should be focused on. Maybe more importantly, it's the middle and front end of the curve, and in specific parts of it. So why that is, what that all means—that's what we go over in the deep dive analysis. And yesterday, in particular, talking about the sell-off in bonds and the lack of sell-off in other parts of the curve and what those mean. And I also brought in. J.B. Diamond and J.P. Morgan and what they seem to be up to and how that all relates to the long end of the curve, the short end of the curve, and the middle part of the curve. That's what we get into in the Eurodollar University's deep dive analysis. And you can find all the information about the deep dive analysis, about the daily briefing, about our membership subscriptions at our website, eurodollar.university. So the financial media all tells you the dollar is the Fed. The Fed drives the dollar because it raises rates. And of course, that makes U.S. dollar investments more attractive to those around the rest of the world. So higher rates in the U.S., that means dollar goes up, except no. That doesn't correspond with dollar behavior at all. Something I've talked about in presentations at the Eurodollar University membership site. 
Essentially, they doesn't correspond. In this case, just to make things simple and easy, we're going we're gonna to focus on the euro to start with, the US dollar versus the euro, because it makes things really simple and easy, as I just said. Um, and the, you know, the, Euro, the ECB has been hiking rates as well as the Fed have, but they haven't been hiking rates at the same time nor the, to the same extent. So they opened up some, some distance or differential between U.S. policy rates and the actions of the Federal Reserve versus those of the ECB. So maybe that explains it. Because remember, the Federal Reserve doesn't operate in a vacuum. It's not just strictly U.S. policy. It might, if, if assuming this is true, which is not, but assuming that was true, U.S. policy versus other central banks. So in this case, where it's the U.S. dollar euro, you would think that given the mainstream explanation and focus on interest rate differentials or interest rates at all, that differentials would mean the Fed is raising rates more aggressively than the ECB. Therefore, capital, quote unquote, flows from Europe over to the United States. That's what uh, the common explanation is. And when we look at the last couple years, euro, U.S. dollar, and match up the ECB's uh, policy actions versus the Federal Reserve's, it, there's, at first it seems like that should be the reason why the euro was so weak in 2022, because the Federal Reserve got off to a head start, a pretty aggressive head start over the ECB. But ever since last year, the ECB has been catching up. Um, and especially this year, going back to around... Um, early part of the year, February, March, April, the ECB has especially caught up as the Fed paused once and then has paused again. The ECB is still hiking. So it doesn't explain why the euro just recently got to its weakest point since March when the ECB differential or the differential between the Fed and ECB policy rates is actually narrowing and is expected to continue to narrow. So that wouldn't account for why the euro has behaved the way it has behaved, especially in late 2022 into 2023, and more recently since around July. Because a lot of currencies have been weakening since the middle part of July, which it's not just China's yuan. There's others like the euro and the Great Britain, Great, Great, Great Britain pound. So we can't account for the euro's behavior from Fed policy versus ECB policy differentials. That's not, it can't be the case. And of course, again, that's something you easily, easily established looking back through time. Policy differentials, the Fed, the Fed isn't really the issue here. But maybe the Fed is in how it's impacting other interest rates. So instead of looking at the ECB's policy or the Fed's policy, let's look at market interest rates, uh, U.S. Treasuries versus, in this case, German bonds. We'll use the two-year uh, two maturity for both sets because... The two-year is reflecting a lot of central bank policies as well as some fundamental factors. And when you look at the, in the interest rate differential between the two-year treasury and the two-year Shotsi, I think it's just the shots. When you look at the two-year spread, what you see is there does seem to be a correlation here and maybe even a good one. So the two-year treasury rises relative to the two-year two German it's two-year German counterpart, and the U.S. dollar goes up, the euro goes down. But that wouldn't necessarily account for the entire behavior of the euro. We're just seeing a correlation here. Remember, correlation isn't always causation. It might be that causation is in the opposite direction. What I mean by that is there aren't a lot of German buns out there. There's not a lot of German shots out there. So 
it wouldn't be for the entire Euro, Euro denominated system, a choice between treasuries and Germans. It's a choice between treasuries and Germans or Italians, Spanish, French, oats, all that stuff. And when you look at interest rate differentials, for example, between US treasuries and Italy BTPs, but again, the two-year maturity, that does not correlate with the behavior of the Euro. So we can't account for the Euro's behavior in the US Treasury to Germany differential, but could we account for the US Treasury to Germany differential in the behavior of the Euro? Maybe causation is in the opposite direction. Maybe that what's driving the Euro lower is also driving the spread between Treasuries and German bonds, their German counterparts, wider. And I just talked about something like this. In fact, I talked about exactly this in a video I did recently on the FX market. Highly recommend you check that out to understand what I'm saying here. But just briefly, when the dollar goes up, that means tightening in the euro dollar system. And one of the effects, one of the impacts and effects of tightening is that in many cases, European issuers, higher quality European issuers will try to take advantage of dollar tightening by issuing some form of debt in the offshore system, the euro bond system, uh, which is part of the euro dollar system, it's the bond market of the euro dollar system. So they'll issue a euro bond and then swap those dollars that they borrow back into euros. And by swapping back into euros, they're actually providing dollars that are necessary, um, needed around the world. That's where the dollar shortage is coming from. And on the other side of that, as they swap back into euros, they're only looking for some safe liquid collateral to hold while they, while they, they make their money on the swap. So it would make sense then that if we see dollar shortage, dollar goes up in exchange value against the euro, that triggers this trend where European issuers go into the market, high quality ones, because the lower quality ones are being shut out, high quality European issuers issue some longer dated bonds. They provide those dollars into the market, usually to a US dealer, swapping into euros, and then buying, buying uh, and holding, say, German two-year Schatzes as collateral. So dollar goes up, this, this uh, swap gets triggered, demand, uh, more than fundamental demand for German two years, that would account for the wider spread between the US Treasury two year and the German two year, or that could account for it. In fact, I think it does, but there's more than that going on here. So there's, thinking about this in terms of the Germany or the US Treasury Germany differential in the two year space and any of it really, it's more likely that what's driving the dollar higher and the euro lower accounts for that spread than the interest rate differential on that particular spread accounts for why the euro has gone lower and the dollar higher. And that's true when we look around the rest of the US dollar exchange value, the other counterparts around the world. Obviously, we've talked about China and broad in Japan. So China, the yuan and the yen, those are pretty self-explanatory, except they do a good job of setting out the baseline here because think about it in terms of China, the context of China and the Asian economy. Yuan fell dramatically. Was that because of rate hikes of the Fed or was it because China's economy was, was representing huge global risks? So China's Yuan fell and global risk, not just in terms of macroeconomy, but also financial risks, the real estate woes and everything we've talked about recently. But then the yuan stopped falling and it started to rise again, coincident, but not coincidence, to China reopening. 
the idea that maybe this was going to save the Chinese economy from a whole lot of macroeconomic and monetary headaches, as well as the global economy. So the yuan starts to go back, and so do a lot of other currencies. Look at all of these other ones, including the euro, by the way, which corresponded with the with the increase in the yuan, the hopes that reopening had ignited across the global system that maybe we would avoid some of the worst case scenarios. If now that Xi Jinping came to his senses reportedly and lifted the lockdowns, maybe China would get back on track and we wouldn't have all the nasty consequences in 2023 that were beginning to develop in the strong dollar period of 2022. But that didn't last very long, and you can see that again in all of these currencies. As China reopening was revealed as nothing more than a bumper sticker slogan, not really a macroeconomic trend or a financial trend, all these currencies, starting with China's yuan, Japan's yen, South Korea's yuan, have been moving back lower, independent of the Federal Reserve or the Treasury to German two-year spread, essentially the Asian story of the euro dollar system being priced into risks in the U.S. dollar. So tightening in the U.S. dollar as dealers become more risk averse, especially starting with Asia. So China, Japan, Korea's yuan, which just hit a new low, the lowest I think since last November. The Australian dollar, the New Zealand dollar to some extent too. So all of those that are really connected to the China-Asia story, risk aversion, monetary tightness, not Fed tightness, monetary tightness, driving the dollar higher against those currencies. How about another one? India's rupee. That's one that we've talked about quite frequently because India's India's economic and uh, economic and financial situation, out of most of its peers, out of maybe all of its peers, they're right at the top. India should not be, its currency should not be lumped together with everyone's else, everyone else's. Except when the euro dollar is on a rampage of just blanket risk aversion, don't care who's on the other side, we're charging more risk premium for accessing the dollar system. And that's been the case of India's rupee, forcing the Reserve Bank of India to somewhat successfully defend a floor under the rupee going back to last year. And they've been able to successfully defend it up until recently because some of the pressure has been variable going along with this China reopening pattern that I just talked about. But more recently, again, going back to the middle of July, in fact, in the rupee's case, specifically to July 24th, which, as you remember in a recent video I just did, that stands out for the 10-year interest rate swap spread that began compressing at the same time. There's all sorts of these correlations involved. So basically, like the euro, the rupee has suddenly gotten weaker since the latter part of July into August and now September, and it is continuing to hit record lows again, despite the Reserve Bank of India's best efforts. That's not the Fed. That's not the two-year treasury, which has been mostly flat since July. It's not rising long-term treasury bond yields. It is tightening in the euro dollar system. We see it again in another example. So we've got all of these currencies. We've got uh, Korea. We've got Japan. We've got China. We've got euro. We've got British pounds. And a bunch of other Aussie dollars, the Oceanic dollars, uh, New Zealand, and the Indian rupee. I mean... On and on the list goes. And the correspondence, the corresponding, the other side of that, the other side of that is the euro dollar system expressing through the dollar's exchange value prob growing problems in it. 
And so it makes sense in the context of the global economic system, you know, think about 2022, all of the risks that were all over the place last year, Europe was going to be destroyed by an energy crisis. China was not getting out of its lockdowns. The U.S. was, it experienced a technical recession at the first half and then an inventory cycle that was becoming prominent in the second half. So there's a whole lot of risk that would drive risk aversion, therefore the dollar exchange value higher in 2022. Then we had a bit of a reprieve. We had China reopening. We had Europe surviving the uh, the, the catastrophic winter that was that didn't happen. We had the United States looking really good for a while, uh, especially in the early part of the year, especially as disinflation developed and led to a little bit of breathing room across the business sector and especially for consumers. So the dollar gets weaker again to start 2023 because things might look a little bit better. We can take a little bit more risk, but never a lot. It was not a full recovery. It was just a relaxation, a, a dead cat bounce, as I talked about with, with Stephen Van Meter, in the economy as well as the dollar system. And then China reopening, that was the first one. That started to fade. Europe's sentimental recovery, that started to fade too. And now we're looking at the U.S. economy as maybe the lone source of strength. But there's all sorts of questions about the United States as well. And it leads to more risk aversion tightening in the dollar system. It leads to the type of situation that we see across the dollar today. And to finish up here, punctuating the risk to the global economy, the risk to the global monetary and financial system, let's talk about European banks. Because uh, the Euro European Central Bank just reported bank lending and really the bank statistics for Europeans, European aggregate banking system in the month of August 2023. And as you could tell by the falling euro, not interest rate differentials, these are really ugly. Like a lot of places around the world, including the United States, Europe is experiencing a pretty substantial credit crunch that continues to drag on. It's not because of interest rates. It goes all the way back to last year when the ECB was still just getting started. Banks suddenly decided they weren't going to take the risk of lending into the real economy because of a variety of factors that we'll have to get into in a future video. But the lending data, 14.1 trillion uh, total. That's again, August of 2023. That's up just 0.21% year over year. The weakest year over year change since 2016. And on a six month basis, Total loans in Europe are down 0.31%. And you can see, it goes back to last year. This is not a recent development with substantial rate hikes. Loans to NFCs or non-financial corporations, this is unadjusted, 5.1 trillion in July, that's down, down 0.3% year over year. That's the first negative, I believe, since 2017. Loans to households in Europe, 6.63 trillion. That's been flat for almost a year now. On the year-over-year -year basis, just 0.55%. That's the lowest since 2015. It's also contracting on a six-month basis. And one reason why risk aversion among banks in Europe, and as banks in Europe are tightening up their books, banks in the United States are tightening up their books. There's a global credit crunch that's developing, and it's not conducive to flows through the euro-dollar system. The dollar goes up in exchange value, risk aversion, not Federal Reserve, not interest rate differentials, monetary tightening that is an enormous risk. It represents an enormous risk to the entire global system, not just China or Japan or Asia. It's 
spreading to everywhere because this is about the global reserve currency and how it actually works. If you want to see more about that FX video and what we're talking about in the Eurodollar system there, I'm going to link to that one again below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Thank you to all our deep dive analysis subscribers, daily briefing subscribers, and our Eurodollar University members, some of whom you see next to me. Until next time, take care.